0: You will never outrun my love, my love, my love You will never outrun my love, my love I'll surrender to the power of being crushed by love Till the beauty that was hidden isn't covered up Oh, it's not what I hoped for It's something much better
1: So that was really easy for you. Yes.
0: I think it might sound weird. It's <laughs> like
1: a lot
0: here. It's like going back to middle school. I don't remember. I think it might sound weird. It kind of goes weird because I'm going to
1: Well, good morning, Springbrook. Welcome to the house of the Lord for worship. We are so delighted to be with you today on this very special Sunday morning today We get to celebrate and honor our students today is our youth Sunday and we are so delighted to spend this time with you It is a deeply deeply held value here at Springbrook to invest in the next generation of believers. So Michelle and Pre and Matt and Kyle, that is what they do. They are pouring into our children and our students. And today we get to celebrate our graduating seniors, what the Lord has done in their lives and what he is doing, where he is leading them next. And so we are excited to celebrate with you. If you're joining us online, a very special welcome to you as well. As always, we have online hosts available for you all throughout the service. So if you have questions, prayer requests, put those in the comments. We want you to feel connected to what the Lord is doing in this community from wherever you are today. Well, I'd love to invite you now to stand as you are able in body or in spirit for our call to worship.
2: Our call to worship comes from Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing have I asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord.
0: Who was we worship the God who is we worship the God who? shout out your praise, there's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet, and we shout out your praise. We sing to the God who heals, we sing to the God who saves to the God who always makes a way Cause he hung upon that cross And he rose from that grave My God still wow. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. And we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. And We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Shout
3: Good morning. I'll be reading Psalms 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth! You have set glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants you have established strength. Because of your foes, still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man? That you have mindful on him, and the Son of Man, that you care for him. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him domain over all the works of your hands. You have put all things underneath his feet, all the sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and fish of the sea, whatever passes among the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Thank you.
0: covenant of faithful promises and time and time again you have proven you do just what you say though the storms may come and the winds may blow i'll remain steadfast and let my heart learn when you speak a word it will come to be Is your faithfulness to me great? Is your faithfulness to me, God, from age to age? Though the earth may pass away, Your word remains the same. Your history can prove there's nothing You can't do. The storms may come and the winds may blow out in vain Stand fast and let my heart burn when you speak of. to Hey. Mm-hmm. I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay in my head Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God Is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, no I surrender now. I, I give you everything. everything. Your, goodness Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after. is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down and surrendered now, I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Father, we thank you that you are always good in every season and circumstance. Thank you for your goodness that relentlessly pursues us. Lord, thank you for giving us this place to freely come together to worship and to hear your word. Father, you know our hearts and what we are facing. Will you meet each one of us now and make us aware of your presence with us and your love for us? Holy Spirit, we need you. Will you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive what you have for us in your word this morning? In your name we pray,
4: amen. Well, good morning, Springbrook Church. As I hope you're aware, it is Student Sunday, so we have all of our students serving in a whole bunch of different places. If you see them, reach out, tell them how good of a job they're doing. Um, My name is Kyle, um, and I'm so glad that you're here today. Um, If you're with us online, there's a little connection card or say hi in the chat. We'd love to know if you're here. Um, For those of you in person, there's a little connection card on your seats. If you guys could fill that out, um, there's a box at the back that you guys can drop that in on your way out. Um, And so it is summer kind of now. So that means that it is VBS. Uh, This Wednesday is the last day to sign up for VBS and we only have eight spots left. So Um, If you have a child or you know a child maybe in your neighborhood that would uh, love to join in on VBS, now's the time to do that before um, it fills up. Another thing coming up on Wednesday is our starting point workshop. Um, This is for someone that's maybe new to Springbrook, you're not sure what's going on. Um, This is a space for you to learn more about our mission, our vision, our values, what's going on at Springbrook and how you can get involved in that. And so... Um, That starts this Wednesday, May 25th, at 7 p.m., and then it's just two weeks, so something a little quick to kind of get introduced to Springbrook. And then we are coming up on the end of the month, which means it is board game night. So every Saturday, or the last Saturday of the month, um, every month we do board games. It starts at 4 p.m. We eat food, hang out, have a good time. So um, I know that's been a blast. If you're coming this week, or this Saturday, come and find me, Um, come say hi. So at this time, I'm going to ask our seniors to come on up. Since it is Student Sunday, we get to kind of introduce some of our seniors and and hear what's going on in their lives and um, wish them well. But as they come up, I want to talk about the Twin Cities Mission Trip Barbecue. These little yellow slips, you should have some on your seats if you need more for neighbors or friends or whatever. There's a whole stack of them outside. These are due soon. You get barbecue, and then you help support the the fundraiser for the mission trip so that we can get vans and equipments and all that good stuff. So I think I stalled long enough. So seniors, we want to hear who you are, what's your name, and and what are you doing next? What's after this?
1: Hello, I'm Lilia Kay. I actually graduated a year early to pursue a career in professional ballet, and I will be attending McHenry County College to earn a degree in kinesthesiology and fitness.
2: Hello, my name is Kara Howe. I'm going to Judson University, and I'm going to be majoring in interior design.
3: I am Connor
4: Feynman, and I'm undecided. Hi, I'm Nick Manzella, and I'm going to McHen- McHenry County College to
5: study business and finance.
4: Uh, hi, I'm Ben. I'm going to University of Tennessee in Knoxville,
3: and I'm going to be studying computer engineering. I'm Demola Acklane, and I'm going to MCC to join their pre-pharmacy program.
4: All right, let's pray over them this morning. Lord, as we just sang, you are so good, and you are so faithful to us. And God, we thank you for the way that you are faithful to us, and we thank you for the way that you're faithful to these students. Um, I know I've seen all of them grow this year, um, and in years past, and the way that you've shaped them through your church, God, um, man, that is so good. You are so good to us, and you are so good to them. Um, Lord, I've, I've heard people say that these students are the future of the church, and I don't think that's quite accurate, because I think they are the church today. And so, God, the way that you are faithful to your church, the promises that you make to your church apply to them now, not just when they graduate or when they turn 18 or when they're older. Those, those promises are true today. And so the ways that you've called your church to encourage one another and love one another and build each other up and challenge each other and be challenged by each other, Lord, we ask that you would do that for these students Um, whether they're staying here and, and attending Springbrook or whether they're going elsewhere, would you surround them with a community that would do that for them? But would you also, we know that your spirit is in these students if they call you Lord. And so, Lord, we ask that you would encourage these students and that they would be willing to do that to the church around them. God, we thank you again for your faithfulness, and and we ask that you will continue to be faithful and continue to pursue these students in the ways that we've seen you do over these last few years. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen.
5: They planned this, these three. So I'm just going to make you feel awkward. (laughs) Well, hello, everyone. So you are here for the second part of a sermon. If you didn't see the first part, I'm going to do my best to catch you up. Um, But on Youth Sunday, I somehow managed a few years ago to convince everyone we should do two sermons Um, and no one said anything against it, and so now I just do it, and then everyone's surprised the morning of because I forgot to tell anyone I was going to keep doing it. I think that's fairly accurate, too. Um, But I'm excited because we are in the book of Jonah today, and it is my favorite book of the Bible as far as a just fun book to read through and to study and to wrestle with. Um, I want to tell all of you a couple things as we get going. Um, The first thing is, um, if you 've heard like children 's book stories or even done devotionals on Jonah, a lot of them are really terrible. Um, people think Jonah was this guy who God told him to go deliver a message to the people of Nineveh, and he was scared of the Ninevites, and so he ran away like a coward because he was worried about what they would do to him. Not so. People think that Jonah, when he was in the belly of the whale, cried out to God, and that's eventually true, but he was in the whale three days and three nights, or the fish, where he was not crying out to God because he did anything and everything in his power to not obey God's commands for him. And this service, we're going to look deep into the story of Jonah, deep, (sighs) haha, But um, I'm on fire. Um, we're going to look deep into this story, and I hope that one of the things you will all hear, the first service I preached to our seniors, this service I'm not preaching to them. You guys can't leave, though. But, um, but I, I, this service, I, I'm preaching to our congregation about what kind of community we need to be for this next generation. I love Kyle's prayer. The, the, this next generation is not the future of the church. It is the church. And it's our job as the church to be this community together. And so we're going to jump in. I hope you have a lot of fun. Um, Jonah is a comedy. If you've got a Bible, you can open it up to Jonah 3. And we'll, we'll jump in in one moment. But first, I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, Father, we thank you that you are so Good, we thank you that you are gracious and merciful. You are abounding in steadfast love. You are slow to anger, and you are relenting from disaster. Your desire is that all who call on your name would be saved. And we thank you that Jonah, the book, demonstrates that, even as Jonah the prophet doesn't. Um, Father, we pray that as we go through this sermon, as we think about how we model for our students, what the church is called to be. We pray that you would open our eyes to where we might need to repent and call out to you. We pray you would challenge us through this story, and we we pray that your spirit would just give us ears to hear. I pray these would be your words and not mine. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we're just going to jump in, and then I'll kind of backfill you We don't have like a previously on, but I'm going to like write the dialogue as I go in such a way that you'll keep up. Um, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city and call out against it the message that I tell you. Now, this is the same message that in Jonah 1, the very first thing we see is God gives Jonah this message to go to Nineveh and that great city, and call out against it the message that the word of the Lord has for the people of Nineveh. And what does Jonah do? If Nineveh's like the far corner of the TV, Jonah goes as far this way as, as possible in the known world. Um, and so Jonah finally, this time, is going to do what God said. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth. Now we have to stop here. We have to be nerdy for a moment. Um, and, and if you were in the first service, you're going to be like, Matt, you're about to show us the same graph and we know, but I'm going to show you a different graph that basically means the same thing. Um, so, so the book of Jonah uses a Hebrew word for great a whole bunch of times. It's, it's enough times that it's noticeable on any like data you would do of graphing all of these things. And some of you are like, how are you graphing this? I have nerdy Bible software. But the, the, the point of this graph is that I, I bet you can guess where I'm headed. That's Jonah, this giant piece on the graph. Um, if if you take all the books of the Bible of the old testament and you normalize them like you average them out to be the same number of words, just repeating it, Jonah averages it's, it's two, or 0.2% of the Old Testament, but it uses the word great at a pace that is between two and ten times greater than any other book in the Old Testament. It is this exaggerated book, and we cannot miss that because the book of Jonah is a comedy. And everything the writer does is an exaggeration. When it says Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh and he wound up going towards Tarshish, it's like the comical far distance he could have gone. When they're in the first half of the book, they're on a boat and it's rocking and, and all of these things and all the Jonah's asleep. It's supposed to be comical. And then when the people say, call out to your God, Jonah says, throw me in the river or throw me in the sea. And then Jonah's in the sea, and he gets swallowed by a fish, and he's in the fish three days before he finally cries out to God. Jonah is supposed to be seen as comically comical. I don't—oh, I, that was bad. But but he's supposed to be seen as just a ridiculous character. You're supposed to read him that way. And so every time we show up with the word great, um, it's, it's hyperbole. And so you're supposed to— hyperbole. (sighs) It's a, it's a comedy. And if you don't see this, this is going to get uncomfortable as I start making fun of Jonah again. Because there's this famous prayer in Jonah two, before we go into this, there's this famous prayer in Jonah two that people say is Jonah crying out for forgiveness. And Jonah cries out to God, and he says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. What Jonah does not say in his prayer is, I called out to the Lord, and he answered me after I waited three days and three nights, after I was thrown in a sea, after I refused to listen, after I ran the wrong direction. Jonah's entire narrative about himself is so off. He says, I was faint. What I have vowed to the Lord I will do. He says all of these things, and we're supposed to read them as ridiculous. And if we don't do that, we're going to have a wrong idea of Jonah. Now, some of you may say, but Matt, Jonah was a prophet. He never really got it. Are you aware of that? It's like an, some, some, one person is. I don't know how to sing it, but I know there's like lyrics to this children's ministry song. Like, Jonah was a prophet. He never, ooh, ooh, yeah, he never really got it. um, People think that Jonah never really got it. And the problem is, is that is also a gross mischaracterization of Jonah. Because you see, Jonah got it, and we're going to get there. So what we see, Jonah is told, deliver this message again. Nineveh is a great city. And so finally, Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. Now, what did we read a second ago? We read a second ago that um, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. So Jonah goes in a day's journey, not three days' journey, a day's journey. And he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And this this translation, yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown, is a very kind translation of what Jonah said. Because what he really said was, Yet 40 days, Nineveh overthrown. He used five words with the intention of saying the absolute bare minimum to the Ninevites. He went in a day's journey. He didn't even go to the city center. He went into this minimal place. He said as little as humanly possible. And that's what he did. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest the great of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Yet 40 days, Nineveh overthrown, and all of the people from the least to the king of Nineveh are responding. And the king issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his And this word nobles is like a a weird translation, but it's actually his great. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, let the people and the cattle taste anything. Let them taste nothing. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. And if you were here for the first service, you know that everyone in these stories except Jonah calls out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows Who knows? They don't even know because Jonah didn't say the God of the Hebrews, the Lord. Jonah just said, yet 40 days, Nineveh overthrown. And the people say, who knows? Let's just start crying out and hopefully the right God hears us. God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Now, if we were an ancient Israelite in this day and time of Jonah, A couple things that we would know is that the Ninevites and the Assyrian people, which they were a part of, were known for being incredibly violent. And they were known for being incredibly evil by the Israelites. This is before they became the nation that eventually brought a big chunk of Israel into exile. But they were a people known in Israel for being above average wicked and very violent. And so the fact that they identify their sin— even if they have no idea who they're calling out to, is a good sign. In fact, and this is really funny, when Jonah says, yet 40 days, Nineveh overthrown, the, the pinky word here, overthrown, um, it's, it's a word with a whole bunch of meanings. One meaning could be destroyed or overturned. It could also be flipped upside down. It could be turned. It could be repent. And so literally what Jonah said in his minimal message, a day's journey in, becomes exactly what happens to Nineveh in that time. And they repent. And when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. And so Jonah's message works. They hear the message that the word of the Lord had for Jonah to deliver, They hear that message and Nineveh is overthrown and they turn from their evil ways towards good, at least for a little while. So we, oh man, I just, boy, I just said all that. Okay, so now we need to talk because we, this was the last verse we just read and then there's a break and then we start chapter four, but um, nerdy Bible thing. Um, these aren't actually in the Bible when it says like a heading. Um, Those are what people added to make it easier for us to navigate. But in the case of Jonah, I think you're supposed to read the book of Jonah all at once. We don't need Jonah's anger and the Lord's compassion because this, when it ties to this, it's going to show you something. When God saw what they did and how they turned away from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. This is all one idea. And, and what's, what's hard here, first off, exceedingly, right, greatly. Um, what's hard here is that as we, we push into this, when it says displeased, this is a terrible translation. When, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, Jonah 4 1, here's how it should translate. But Jonah evilly was greatly evil, and he was angry this gets translated differently because we don't know what to do with a sentence that goes but jonah evilly was greatly evil that sounds weird but but what what we should see in this contrast is when god saw what they did and how they turned from their evil way but jonah evilly was greatly evil and he was angry the people have repented they have turned to god granted they don't even know who this god is They just know they need to repent. Jonah is a day's journey into the city as he sees all this happening. He's seeing the people repent. He's seeing the cows repent. And Jonah is sitting there angry. And then, as he's sitting there, because the text hasn't moved him out of Nineveh, he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life. Kill me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And it's here that we finally know who Jonah really is. When Jonah went the wrong direction, Jonah went the wrong direction because Jonah knew, I knew that you are a gracious God. Jonah knew that the word of the Lord that he was going to deliver to Nineveh could cause the Ninevites to repent. And Jonah said, I would rather rather they never experience God's grace and mercy. I'd rather that they experience his anger. I'd rather they never see his abounding steadfast love. I'd rather they experience disaster. Because if God will offer this to the Ninevites, I'd rather die. And now you can't say, well, he was scared. You can't say he was anything but terrible. Really comically terrible. He's saying, God... I don't like what I'm seeing around me. These people are crying out to you. What's heartbreaking is in this moment as the people and the cows around him are crying out to God and God is relenting, Jonah is sitting there saying, oh, this stinks. I'd rather die than see these pagan people repent. And it's wicked. It's wicked in every way, shape, or form. When Jonah says, therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, I think it tells us what he was doing in the fish. He was waiting to die, and then it never happened. And so eventually he said, fine, God, I'll go do what you have told me I have to do. Jonah's hope this whole story is that these people would be wiped out. And it's disgusting because Jonah knows exactly who God is. He knows God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and will relent from disaster to those who call out to him. And the Lord answered, do you do well to be angry? And for all of the millennial computer video gamers, he's saying, you mad bro. Um, he, is, he is saying to Jonah, hmm, come on, you mad? Why are you mad? Come on, Jonah, why are you mad? He's saying, is this okay, the way you're acting? And then Jonah went out of the city and set to the east of the city and here, here, but yesterday when I was finishing up my slides, I had this moment When it says he set to the east of the city, we know from maps that that Jonah had to go east from Israel to get to Nineveh. So he entered the city from the west side of the city. He walked in a day's journey. He said, Yet 40 days, Nineveh overthrown. The people repented, and he sullenly walked through the rest of the city to the far side of the city. He didn't turn around and go back to Israel. He walked through the city and saw the repenting people. And then he made a booth for himself outside the city, and he sat under it in the shade till he should see what became of the city. Jonah is hoping that their repentance will not last. Now the Lord God appointed a plant, just like he appointed a fish. The Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly, greatly glad because of the plant. And this is a translation thing where it should be. So Jonah was joyful because of the plant, greatly joyful. Jonah, who was exceedingly angry, evilly, greatly evil and angry because the people repented now for a plant is joyous beyond all belief. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah, so that he was faint. Now, in the first service we saw, we saw a moment with Jonah that I just have to draw your attention to that makes me giggle. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. This is Jonah praying from the belly of a fish after three days and three nights. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Jonah, in his prayer in chapter 2, talks about returning to the Lord's holy temple. He talks about God remembering him. And now, when he sees God act in gracious, mercy, and abounding love, what does he do? He just sits ticked off. He doesn't try and go back to Israel. He doesn't try and return to the land of God. He's angry, and then he's faint. And in his faintness, last time when he was faint, he called out to God and said, remember me from the belly of the fish. This time, after he has seen the Ninevites repent, he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, you mad, bro. Do you do well to be angry for the plant? He said. And Jonah says, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. Jonah is so comical in this moment about everything. He is a character or a character of extremes, and oh, he stinks. He just stinks in the worst way. He is so angry that God would share his abounding love. And Jonah wishes to see destruction, and it doesn't come to pass. And the Lord said, Jonah, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh? Jonah, you, you care about this plant. Even if you don't care about the people, Jonah, you care about this plant. Should I, who created all things, not pity Nineveh, that great city? in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left. Now when it says they do not know their right hand from their left, that's a reference back to Genesis through Deuteronomy where we see that as language about people who know the commands of God or don't. And these people did not know the commands of God, and yet they repented. Jonah knows the commands of God, and he did not repent. So God says, in which there are more than 120,000 persons Who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. And that's the end of the book. (laughs) And I love it. I love it so much. There are scholars who write papers on how there must be another ending. And the scroll got cut short. But that's because those scholars forget. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his great, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Jonah, even if you don't care about those 120,000 people, what about all those cows you saw? That's the end of the story. And I love it. Because in this moment, God is saying, come on, Jonah, you care about the plant. Don't you care about the cows? You're hateful. You're terrible. But what about the cows, Jonah? What about the cows? It's it's a comedic moment that is meant to drive home how much God cares for anything and everything that would call out to him. And let me make sure it's clear. The point of this story is not that God cares more about cows than the people. The point here is that God is saying to Jonah, I care about anything and everything that will call out to me. He is making it very clear, Jonah, they don't know why you're delivering this message. They don't know what you're saying. And you hate them so much. You want to die because you don't want to live if they experience my mercy and grace. How terrible is that? And, and that's the underlying principle of the whole book of Jonah. It is a book about a very hateful man who understands God very well. It's a very challenging book. It's a very confusing book if you don't read it in light of the whole book because there's all these things that talk about when Jonah was praying, he was praying to God for forgiveness. But when you read it carefully, you see through this whole story, Jonah knew from the beginning who God was. He knew from the beginning what God was about. And Jonah did everything in his power to stop it from coming to bear. I mean, it's kind of funny, but like, right? Like, it kind of like, oh, this is less funny now. Um, So there are three things we need to take from this story. The first thing, and the most important thing, and we talked about this last service, and we see it bear out even more, what God has said he will do. The promises that God makes... He does. When people cry out to God, God answers. We see that over and over and over. If you are here today and you do not have a good understanding of who God is, you don't know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with Christ, and you are wondering, could you? What God has promised throughout the Bible is that all who call on the name of his son will be saved. If you have questions about that, I'll be hanging out up here after the service. I'd love to talk to you. Because God promises that those who call out to him, he will hear. And what God has said in his word will come to pass. What's funny, and in in, in when you read Jonah, what's really funny, what Jonah knows better than most modern Christians, what Jonah knows is that when God sends someone to deliver a message of judgment, the point of that is not that God wants to exercise his wrath, it's that God wants people to respond and repent. He wants them to be what they were created to be, made in his image. He wants them to experience his mercy and love. And Jonah knows that so well that he does everything in his power to make sure it doesn't happen for the people of Nineveh. But what God has said, he will do. And that's what we see in this story. The next thing we see, again, is that God offers salvation to all who call on his name, even the cows. God in this story, to the people who don't even know what God they're crying out to, when they begin to repent and cry out, God in heaven is not like, are they crying out to me the right way? God recognizes that in their hearts, they're broken, they're crying out, and he responds. And that's true for us today. That's true for all people who would call on the name of the Lord. That's the underlying principle of this whole book on the positive side is that God hears us when we cry out, and he responds. And don't lose sight of that. The final point. I hope this one's really clear. Don't be like Jonah. Okay? And and if this is not clear, the starting point of this story is Jonah was here, and he was supposed to go here. But um, this person assumes he... He was somewhere up here and he went down to Joppa and then somewhere over here, the fish vomited him out and then he had to walk all the way. Um, We don't know where the fish vomited Jonah out, but we know that Jonah was very far away from Nineveh and had to travel quite a distance to get there. But the first thing we know is that Jonah, who was where he was in Israel, did not want to go to the people that God had called him to. And remember, and I just have to read this again because this is the verse, verses, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet away in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. That's where he goes on to say, therefore, take my life. The sickest thing in this story is that Jonah knew what God offers to all who called out to him, and preferred to rest in that knowledge alone, rather than carrying out what God had called him to do. There's some clues to how insane this is. The first one is, when Jonah tells them, throw me in the water, I, I, I think wholeheartedly that Jonah this whole time is thinking, I'd rather die and be in God's presence, because I'm a Jew, so I get to be there. That's, I, I think that's how he thinks when you read the whole book. Um, I, he's, he's thinking, if they throw me in the water, I'll have to die. And then God delivers him. <laughs> and then when he goes into Nineveh and they actually respond, he's like, I'd rather die than this. Jonah at no point in time wants to live in a world in which God operates the way God has said he will operate. And Jonah knows that this is how God is going to operate. And Jonah says, I'd rather have this knowledge alone. I'd rather not share it. I'd rather not carry out what God has called me to do because I know I'm good. Don't be like Jonah. And I want to tell you, um, I said this in our in our um, production meeting this morning, where we talk about the service. And um, I think Jonah is the worst human character in the Bible. And some people right away, people say, "What about Judas?" Well, Judas kind of showed remorse um, in a different way, but Judas kind of showed remorse. Jonah, from the start of this story to the end of this story, basically says, "God, I know your attributes. I know you're gracious. I know you're merciful." I do not want others to experience that. And if they're going to, I would rather die. There is not another character in the Bible who knows God well, who communicates that knowledge of God well, and then does such a heinous thing. And so Jonah is unique in my mind. And somebody, if you've got a better option, let me know. Um, But I, I don't think so. I think that it is a very uncomfortable thing when we come to the end of this story. And this story is supposed to be a comedy. And the character, the only character that doesn't change in the story is the Jewish person, who in that day, that was God's people. He was an Israelite. He was the person who you would assume would be the hero of the story. And from the start to the finish, his character arc is completely flat. He never changes. He never wavers. The entire story, he is consistent In knowing who God is and not wanting others to experience that. Nineveh was overthrown by repenting. In the first part of the story, the sailors cry out to God and make vows to God and call to God and offer sacrifices to God. Every person Jonah encounters has a better response than Jonah. And it's this crazy thing and it's comical that Jonah doesn't even care about the cows. But at the heart of it, this was a story... Uh, the, it's, it's one of the 12 minor prophets in the Old Testament. This is, this is one of the stories in the Old Testament when Israel is in the middle of not repenting. The Lord keeps telling the Israelites, my desire for you is that you would follow me and I would make you a blessed nation to bless other nations. And the Israelites keep saying, we're going to do our own thing. And, and this story is a story in the Old Testament, I wholeheartedly believe, where God is trying to tell his people to wake up. He's trying to tell them, wake up. You know better than all the nations around you. You're praying for their destruction when they rise up against you instead of praying that they would know me. Look how wicked this prophet is. I want to tell you one last thing. I think Jonah is the worst character in the Bible. Human character. Human character, that's important. Um, But I think that there's one way he could have been worse. So Jonah was called to tell people, to tell people about God's grace and mercy. He was called to tell people about God's abounding, steadfast love, that God is slow to anger, that God desires that people would call to him that they might be saved. Jonah understands that salvation belongs to the Lord. And the only way I think he could be worse is if he lived among the people he was called to do that to, and he did nothing. Let's pray. Father, you are a God, abounding in steadfast love. You are a God of grace and mercy. You, O Lord, desire that we would call out to you and that we would help others do the same. And so, Lord, I pray here that for those that don't know you, that today they would recognize they could call out and that you hear them. And they may not know their right hand from their left, as as this story tells, but if they cry out to you, you will not be far off. You desire that they would turn to you in whatever way they can. And we thank you that through your son, Jesus, through his death and resurrection, we have a way to be fully with you. We have a way to, to have right relationship with you that was not even possible in the Old Testament And Father, we confess, I I confess that as I read the story of Jonah, I think about how my heart, I am among a people, we are among a people in this community and in this world who do not know you. They do not know their right hand from their left according to your word. And often I am content to rest in your grace and mercy alone without recognizing what I have been called to. We must do better. We pray that we would notice those around us that we would cry out to you on their behalf and that we would tell them about you that they might cry out and receive your grace and mercy. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We pray that we would not keep it to ourselves. We thank you that you are slow to anger. We pray that we would not do more that would just cause anger. We we thank you that you are abounding in steadfast love and we pray that as we experience that, as we live in that truth, that we would draw others to what you have offered us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
2: Stand if you're able for our last song.
0: But never going
2: worshiping with us, go now in faith to love and serve the Lord, have a blessed week in him.